we're closing out the Another Dimension season, talking about the Burbs. We're going to talk about Joe Dante, kind of break the rules a little bit, talk about not just the Twilight Zone show, but also the Twilight Zone movie, and one of the many reboots that we'll talk about. It's the most horrifying topic yet, suburbia. Suburbia, it's terrifying. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have some weird neighbor stories. Shh! Welcome back to a new episode of A Free Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my neighborly friends, Joe and Duff. Hey, guys. (laughs) Won't you be my neighbor? Uh, We are finishing up the season. We've talked about movies that were directed by people who did Twilight Zone episodes. One of the beauties of creating our own seasons and our own podcasts is we do whatever we want. And uh, Joe Dante did not... The director of the Burbs did not direct any episodes in the original Twilight Zone. However, he probably, he probably would have been like five years old. <laughs> yeah. However, he's got the bona fides for the season because, or the bona fides, if you will. Uh, he directed the third segment in the Twilight Zone movie. We've talked about the Twilight Zone movie on other episodes. We don't need to like go into detail on that. And then in the very first reboot of the Twilight Zone, which happened in 1985. He did an episode called The Shadow Man. So, uh, you know, spreading our wings a little bit here on what we can do, kind of changing the rules a little bit, but I think it's, it counts, when you, right? When you have no sponsors, it don't matter. That's right. When you can't be canceled because yeah. there's no sponsors, um, we're going to go that. So, The Burbs, 1989, uh, you know, t- we can talk about Tom Hanks some more. God knows we've done it enough on Forrest Gump Minute. Um but, I mean, should we jump into uh, what happens in the Burbs? Yeah, let's do it. All right. uh, I'd never I'd never seen this somehow, even though this was like a big cult cable movie back in the day. This is a movie that I have etched into my brain because of the VHS cover. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Tom Hanks and the spatula. And, and the, the garden hose. And the garden the, hose. In his robe. I remember this a lot, and I think this is like, you know, this isn't that weird era. I feel like this is a PG movie, so I probably did watch it when I was a kid. Because it, it's fine for children, I suppose, right? Yeah, it's relative. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I'd say it's family friendly. Yeah, it's a little dark, but not not overly so. So the Burbs, um, obviously stars Tom Hanks, which I mentioned. He is... Um, He lives in the suburbs, spoiler, and uh, he decides he's going to take a week-long vacation. Now, who doesn't love taking vacations, right, guys? Take some time off, do something. Yeah, work sucks. Work sucks. We have a whole season on that. I always find it deeply weird, or maybe it's just something I wouldn't do, the idea of taking a week off and just being like, yeah, I'll just stay home. Uh, I've... I don't think it's super weird because planning a vacation and can be pretty stressful in itself. It's expensive too, right? I mean, it's expensive yeah, to go. Not everyone I, likes to travel. I think more than it, yeah. I think more than anything, it's kind of a money issue. Um, 
it also depends on how much PTO you have. Like some people have more than others, so they feel like it's like, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal if I just take a week and do a, a staycation. Plus, Man. like it it suits his character that he wouldn't want to leave because he's a nosy psycho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say nothing about this character makes us think this is a money issue for him. This is him just like no. wants to stay, wants to stay. I mean, would you guys staycation? Have you staycationed before? Well, I, I'm blessed with a little bit more time off of work than most people, so I right. mean, yeah. I, I guess. That's a little different. You the I've, summers and I And I do still, like, I keep the grind set going in the summer, too, with working. But um, I, I, like, I, get, I do understand the appeal of it, I guess. But, like, if you only, like, get, like, two weeks off a year or something like that, Right. Okay. Yeah. I I I can kind of get it for like one of those weeks if you're like finally I have a week to just catch up on all the little things around the house that I want to do. Like some people like get genuine pleasure out of like just tackling little projects. Right. DIYing stuff and doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I mean, no, it, it's not really for me. I could do a day or two. I'm not doing a whole week sitting around at home. Yeah. You you know usually I'll add on a day or two to when there's already time off. Uh. But also, I, you know, the the pandemic and work at home culture kind of shifted that. I mean, we all kind of had to, some of us more than others, had a staycation. Right. Uh, and, you know, as I, I was discussing with Rob a little while ago, like, I just kind of treat my work at home days like, oh, I'll get up one minute before work. Like, that is... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that, and I guess uh, you know, I guess the closest thing I've ever done is like six years ago or so when I switched jobs. I had some like a week in between, and I like used that time to like do errands and clean up and organization stuff around the house. That's a little different. Like I wasn't gonna like uh, suddenly plan a vacation in that like one week. Yeah. Also, we, uh, I mean, maybe not Joe, but we also have jobs where uh, a lot of you know, it's not a huge deal if there's, you know, some downtime or not paying attention to stuff. And it's, I feel like it's hard, you know, it would be interesting to hear, like, if someone who, you know, had like a, a manual labor job where they're in an, in some, somewhere five days a week, like if they wanted to do a staycation or not. I mean, I think the real answer to this question is if you hit your head really hard on your toilet, and you couldn't make it to work, how many hours would it take for someone to ask? Joe's job, it would be pretty quick. Has anyone mm-hmm. seen Joe? Is anyone? He should be here. Duff, well, there'd just be I... a line of kids like outside my locked door. So, right. Uh, it would take about like three minutes. Right. Duff and I would be like mid-afternoon. It, maybe. I was going to say, we're into, P- <laughs> we're into PM. Yeah. <laughs> would, uh, no. uh, neighbors would complain about the smell before your boss would notice something as a mess. Uh, and yeah. honestly, depending on how busy the day is, like it might make it to the next day. It could. Like, <laughs> it could. It could. I, just um, thought I didn't see him that day. Yeah, it's like, oh, it was kind of slow. Well, and you I didn't guys, ne- I- should, you can test this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don't do I mean, anything this- tomorrow. It's like, well, I didn't need anything from them, and you know, a day or two went by, and. <laughs> This is why it's people who work office jobs. It's important for them to have friends because otherwise people would never notice we're gone. <laughs> we would, <they> would, <laughs> the five days before you can report a missing persons would go by. Yeah. Uh, or is it three? How long do you have to be missing? To it, might, be? it probably varies from state to state. Okay. 
Uh, all right. Well, all right. Back to this movie. We talked about that. Somebody here. Okay. So he's staycation, right? He's, he's got his his lovely wife, uh, Carol, played by Carrie Fisher. Um, he just he, wants he just wants to get loaded. He just which... wants yeah. He just wants to have some beers and enjoy doing nothing. But these new neighbors moved in, guys, into the neighborhood. And always a topic of conversation. And you know they don't people don't see much of them. They're a bit. You know what's going on? The Clopex, um, and uh, he starts hearing strange noises coming from their basement. He gets his other neighbors and friends uh, into it, which would be um, Art, uh, 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 and then uh, Rumsfeld, who is a Vietnam vet, played by Bruce Dern. Who, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Bruce Dern in this in this movie. He uh, amuses me to no end. Just him, period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. So they start like investigating and getting really curious, and they start they could pretty much convince each other that they're probably like Satanists who are doing murders in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're, they're convinced he's kidnapped one of the other neighbors, right? Killed him. This old guy with a little dog uh, goes missing, and they're convinced that he's been kidnapped and murdered by the neighbors. Now, I have got some fun facts about this movie. And this one, oh my god, so excited to tell you guys um, the little dog that that guy yeah. has. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, it's, that dog it, that dog is a midnight boys hall of famer it absolutely is precious <laughs> oh it's, it's the same dog it's the same yeah. dog oh, oh precious cool. don't, <laughs> don't you hurt don't my you dog. hurt my dog <laughs> <laughs> oh precious so, is in this movie so uh as darla uh <laughs> the name of the dog uh this dog Joe, you will appreciate this. I mean, I think we all will, but this dog, listen to this dog's filmography. Uh, in addition to The Burbs and Silence of the Lambs, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Pink, it, it, IMDb has Pink Poodle uncredited. Yep. And then <laughs> uh, and then Batman Returns. What? As, as Ratty Poodle. Also, this is the greatest dog actor of all time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We also, should have done an entire season on this dog. Also an episode of Coach. <laughs> wow. Cool. An- another crazy thing about this dog, uh, lived to be 17. That is very old for a dog. You know what this reminds me of, guys? <laughs> what? Did I tell you guys, or did someone see it, about Andy the Goose? Uh, this was on, uh, Meg Bitchell's, uh, Right. Did you, did you deep dive into the stuff? I don't know why I'm thinking about this, because we're talking no, about famous animals. I, I, I did see that, and I, yeah, and Andy the Goose, uh, like, I did not know about that, but I'm glad I do now. All right, Joe, do you know about Andy the Goose? No. Okay, Andy the Goose, um... <laughs> okay, Andy the Goose, it was, in 1987, there was this goose that was born without feet, Okay. <laughs> What? <laughs> and so this guy uh, became aware of this footless bird, and he was an inventor and a member of a local charity for disabled children. So they um, took care of the goose, Andy, and um, they're trying to figure out what they could do to help Andy because he, he, <laughs> the goose didn't was born without feet, you know? And um, they tried, like, a skateboard-like... <laughs> What? Prosthetic and that didn't work. So then he fitted the go the goose with specially adapted baby sized shoes and he taught the bird how to walk with them. 
Awesome. Which then became a media thing, and he got um, Nike. He was like he was on Carson. He like he was was on Carson. Uh, So apparently, this goose became a role model, uh, especially for disabled children. Unfortunately, (laughs) as with all celebrities, sometimes the end can be tragic and sudden. (laughs) Okay. In 1991, Andy disappeared. And a day later, he was found dead in a local park with his head and wings removed. Oh, my God. It was like a satanic ritual <laughs> Why is that funny? It's it's just so absurd. It's... So they collected $10,000 as a community to apprehend the killer, but they never figured out who killed Andy. What do you mean they collected ten grand? The, the local com- community. Like as a bounty? Yes. yes. Oh, as a reward. <laughs> So, it. so Andy the Goose's killer and the Tylenol killer never apprehended. Nope. Now, Andy the Goose does have a gravestone. <laughs> Do you know about this stuff? I saw the photo because okay. I, I think it was the same account. Andy the Footless Goose, born without webs and toes, unable to walk and swim properly, was put on the road again by his master who installed size zero baby shoes on Andy and then taught him to walk. And that's on the gravestone. It's on the gravestone. I'm reading the gravestone. (laughs) Andy was an inspiration to thousands of handicapped children across the USA and foreign countries to try a little harder and don't give up. Make another try. (laughs) Andy was in Reader's Digest, People Magazine, and many others. Andy was also on the Johnny Carson television show. So I wonder if they just used this money to build this big old gravestone. I was going to say, you got to pay by the letter for a gravestone. (laughs) How do you know that? Oh, I know well, things. Yeah, we know things. <laughs> is so, that true? Wait, is that true? I think so. Oh, I guess so. to engrave it to pay. Yeah. 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 I got it. Uh, it's like a, it's like a telegram. Anyways, Andy the Goose. Uh, so I, I have one last I, really, I, really Sorry, really I was quick. just thinking like I could get as big a gravestone as I want, but it'd be cheap if I only get one letter on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. J. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so one final quick uh amazing well not amazing but piece of trivia is uh is this about andy the goose or something else andy the goose um (laughs) again andy the goose was so popular that there was a people magazine story about his murder guys the the title of this article murder most foul (laughs) yep that's right there that's right there what sicko did this to andy yeah man that's messed up Man, you you just have to take a gander at this true crime story. <laughs> I really, I re- I need to wade into the theories <laughs> about who, oh my God. who might have taken out Andy. Oh my! Why isn't God. Why isn't there like a ten part true crime story? There needs about- to be. Yeah, it could be like a honk if you know who killed Andy. <laughs> <laughs> like there should be competing netflix amazon series about andy the goose andy the goose thank god god bless him okay it was was, someone was just like like cut off the head to try to find the foie gras inside of it they they didn't know how you're supposed to get it okay the burbs okay um I'm sorry. I went on a big we you know. So they think that neighbors are uh, are killing people, including one of their neighbors, one of the other older neighbor men. Well, they are they are ethnics, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh and so eventually these beca- this becomes 
more and more of a mission where they like you know get the they get their wife out. Uh, Tom Hanks' character gets his wife Carol to be out of the t- house and out of the neighborhood, and they have this big mission. They're cutting the power. They're trying to get in. Well, and- he doesn't really get her to leave. She's so tired of his nonsense that she chooses to leave. Yeah, I don't know why she puts up with him. Truly. Uh, truly wild. I mean, at one point, I do enjoy the part where uh, he's kind of in trouble, and then the friends come over and asks her, asks if he can hang out, and she's like, "No, he can't hang out with you." And they like are, are like children about it. I, yeah. Ah, uh, so they eventually like go in, and they think they found a crematorium inside the basement. I mean, of the house. they they do find an, an industrial strength kiln of some type. Yes. Uh. But all this results in a whole bunch of other stuff because while they find this, the guy they thought, the neighbor they thought that was dead, um, comes home um, and is fine. He had just, he was just an old guy who needed to, you know, I think he had had a stroke or something. I don't remember what exactly. Old, old guy stuff. Old guy. Yeah, you know, some Reader's <laughs> Digest shit. And uh, <laughs> his giant stack of Reader's Digests fell on him and he hurt his neck. <laughs> And uh, and so he comes home and they realize they're wrong. But also at the same time, they hit a gas line and the house blows up. Everyone lives. And it looks like, look at this is just, you know, the Tom Hanks character Ray just being silly, him and his friends. But. Well, he gives he gives a great speech. Yeah. And I was still liking this movie until what happens after the speech where he just talks about, like, we're the crazy ones. We're the psycho paranoid ones. Yep. And I was like, God, this is like just perfectly encapsulates suburban mindset. Yep. Yeah. And then the movie just decides, never mind, we're gonna make it, this whole movie completely pointless. Yeah, it vindicates him. Yeah, because at the end we find out that uh, Doctor Klopek uh, was actually been killing people, um, and uh, had killed the previous owners, and then that results in a bunch of zany. Bits Keep, and, and he keeps their bones in their car, and it does does not make a lot of sense. <laughs> what is the point of this movie? Uh, like it, 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 its entire tone is like we're satirizing like right. suburban mindset, and then at the end, it's like it, it completely vindicates all of them as being right. It's a complete waste of time. I don't understand the ending either. Like I feel like yeah. it works better if it just ends with them being like we're insane for doing this. Yeah. But maybe that's like I can also see like I've not read this anywhere. Nothing I've seen said this, but doesn't that feel like doesn't this ending feel like what would happen from like test audiences being like now? Yeah, I do. I feel like this is some studio meddling where they're like. But nothing I've read has said that's the case at all. Yeah, yeah, that's what's so weird to me because it's like this is the guy that made or maybe he made this before it. I don't know, but like this is the guy that made Gremlins two. Yeah, yeah, and like and did did like his balls get cut off? So part of it is that this was made during a writer's strike, and I wonder if that might have impacted its production because uh, the writer was not, you know, not allowed to give input or talk about the script. Mm. Um, Maybe. So I don't know. I, I There's not a lot of, like, critical criterion-level essays about the burbs that I saw. No, it's kind of like a cult favorite now but it certainly i mean it wasn't a it did okay i think box office wise but critically it, was not like it at all did when well it came at out. the box office and it was panned and then it was on tv all the time right somehow i didn't watch it until this week um but yeah it's uh i i'm i agree with, i agree with both your points here that this is 
it, the ending drops the ball. It doesn't bother me as much because I get to see the sequence where he jumps on the. Wait, no, it's that is no. You're right. Now I am bothered more because I do like the part where Tom Hanks jumps on the gurney in the ambulance. That and is like I don't feel a, good. Take me to the hospital. That is yeah. a great bit, and I guess that was improvised. Yeah, that's so funny. It, uh, yeah, um, it's really Joe, funny, and then and then they're like, uh, and then then the movie completely and utterly falls apart and makes you feel like you wasted an hour and forty minutes of your life. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's like a weird twist ending that doesn't need to be there at all because it's just a twist back to the twist. It's cowardly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still enjoy this movie overall, but I'm with you. I I also don't like the ending. Uh, I mean, like the movie was like a lump cut, doesn't it, Joe? Well, it's not that it needs to be shorter. It needs to be not. It's only like a hundred minutes. It needs to be four minutes shorter, and it would be better. I guess it. It just it it. The only way, like the tone of it and the style and the way it's shot, makes sense is if this is a satire. But then, with the ending, it isn't satirizing anything, right? It 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 just says it turns out these guys were right all along. Like it, yeah. it's it's an utterly pointless, toothless, dumb movie. But this, and whereas it, leading up to it, without that ending, if it did turn out that they were wrong the whole time, if Tom Hanks does go to jail as he should, <laughs> uh, like it's 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 a per, it's it's a wonderful like glimpse into like white not even white male like i i just just white just like reagan era suburban where, nonsense where like your life is so comfortable you have to invent things to be scared of yeah. right yeah which is a, an absolutely a real thing oh yeah oh yeah um, and and it's just so disappointing like that it, that it ends the way it does i was like i i, I felt i felt wronged not that yeah. it's that important, because like, like I don't know, who cares about the burbs or whatever. It's just, just disappointing. I do yeah, feel like from a director who an, feels who it feels like should know better and is smarter than it's that. a it's an enjoyable movie that is set back by that ending, and it's odd because, I mean, I feel like Gremlins is actually way better at nailing the kind of suburban insanity angle. Uh, yeah. Uh, Whereas that doesn't need to have like, you know, a weird twist ending. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you guys are right. I mean, um, this is, you know, this movie does kind of come around a little bit towards the end of, um, well, we'll get to Joe Dante in a little bit. Do, but... do you think like that? I don't know. Like, cause the gremlins two came out. Was right it two years later? Same, one year later? Same... 90. Yeah. Okay, within... So a year later. Yeah. Less I wonder than, uh, yeah. if, if the, he went so buck wild on Gremlins 2 because he regretted like that actually makes the studio meddling make even more sense because like then he uses Gremlins 2 to put all his studio rage like he puts all of his rage into it but but again you'd think if they like Joe Dante doesn't keep his opinions to himself. I was gonna say that's the thing is his career after like Gremlins 2 I mean does matinee and then after that it's sort of like not a whole lot of success like if he wanted to burn down you know, studios for meddling. Why wouldn't he at this point with his interviews? Well, and and the, he he does. He's very outspoken about everything. So I, I guess it's possible he has talked about verbs. I, I I don't know. I've I've listened to a few like interviews with him, and I I just don't remember it being brought up. But if he may have said something about it and it just didn't register with me, because I'd only I'd seen part of this movie, but I never watched the whole thing. So before. there are two alternate endings to this. Oh, okay. Um. And I don't, I don't know if any of these really solve the issue. So the second ending is that uh, it contains the sequence where the ambulance crashes, uh, 
Oh, sorry. It so it cuts out the part where the ambulance crashes, and Mark Rumsfeld slide tackles Hans. So it's really not that different. No, it just shortens the, it a little bit. So the third, uh, which has never been released, it supposedly has Ray is killed in the ambulance by Werner. The Klopics are pronounced innocent, and then garbage bags are found bound and gagged in the Klopics car trunk. I mean, that's a better ending, but still has the same it's toothless still, issue. It still does yeah. not resolve that the rest of the movie was a waste and is, you know, made moot. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, Joe Dante. Oh, also, can we talk one more thing about the Burbs? How is, I mean, listen, he's a good looking guy, especially for his age. But, like, Bruce Dern is with, he's got a babe for a wife. Young babe. Yeah. Well, Corey, as Corey Feldman pointed out, yeah, yeah, he has he has alpha energy. Let's not forget Corey Feldman, who just has parties and never paints that porch, and just. <laughs> so it takes this movie about halfway through to establish that Corey Feldman, his parents are out of town. But until then, you're just like, is is how old is he? Is he? Yeah, because he's drinking a beer with like the chubby neighbor. Yeah, at yeah. One point. I'm like, so wait, is that his house? I, no. At first, I'm thinking like, is he supposed to be older than he is? Is he just how does he have this house? And then there's a throwaway line about, oh, his parents are away for a week. I'm like, oh, that that should have been in the movie earlier because this was confusing. When he yells at like Bruce Stern, he's like, why do you have a gun? He's like, shut up, paint your porch or like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> None of your business. Paint your porch. Like that porch has like he's maybe painted three feet of it and just and he's, totally. He's- <laughs> And he's getting paint all over his amps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy that. I also enjoy that this movie doesn't leave the neighborhood. I think that's a smart idea. Like, it just stays. Yeah. We don't go to work. We don't see what Carol's up to. We don't, you know what I mean? We also don't really know what anyone does. No. We don't We don't know what Ray does. We don't know what his, his neighbor does. I mean, we know that Bruce Stern was in, he says, Southeast Asia. So yeah. I assume it's He's Vietnam. in the bush. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. We just—it's just these insane people. You know what? Also, what I do kind of understand is there is like the the Tom Hanks character. You know, I agree he's an insane person in this movie and probably shouldn't. I mean, he blew up a house. He should go to jail for that. Shouldn't do that. Um, but you're probably like, don't you know? Don't you part of get like, yeah, it'd be fun to do a little mission with the boys. Well, with little your friends, neighbor- neighborhood mayhem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, seems like a fun thing i get that i mean especially if you'd seen people digging graves in a backyard can you believe the guy this guy this tom hanks guy that's in this movie would like 11 years wait are you doing a jay leno no 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 because i'm not burned up um (laughs) but like 11 years later would make band of brothers that weird so i i thought of this when, when i was watching this like what if you know like the mo- like I think the movie he did before this was Turner and Hooch. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's just doing comedy so, at this point. And just you imagine, like in ten years, this guy will have two Oscars and be the most reliable box office draw, in and America. do like a really good TV series about World War Two. <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> like what? This guy who's like talking to a dog right now. Yeah, you guys, it's... Are, you, you guys are right. He really screwed up. He could have kept doing stuff like this. <laughs> well, I'm not saying he screwed up. I just no, think... I am. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's I do so like fu- he's so like somewhat effortlessly funny. It's just a shame. 
he is. I mean, yeah. Joe, Joe late, you've said before that you miss funny Tom Hanks, and I do too. Yeah, I do too. Um, especially like, you know, I'll see clips of him on talk shows and stuff, and he's just, he's just a delightfully funny person. Yeah, effortlessly you know? funny is like a good way to put it, Joe. Like it just he's not forcing anything, and he's he's the like. That's what's such a shame about this movie because he's my favorite kind of Tom Hanks funny in this movie, like really mad. Yeah, yeah. But but like, like when he's mad, when he's, but stupid. When he's is on my the, favorite kind of Tom Hanks. When movie. he's at the like when he's like just trying to rest and he's like on that uh, with his beers <laughs> and the and he's yeah. like, I'm just trying to get some rest. Can you just leave me alone for a couple minutes? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, okay, so Joe Dante. Mentioned he'd done Twilight Zone movie segment three. He had also done the reboot. So after five seasons of Twilight Zone, because of essentially a combination of ratings not being what they should or what the what they wanted in the original Twilight Zone, plus just the cost of doing it, plus Rod Serling. Rod, Rod Serling's cigarette budget was just pushing the well, show. Well, I mean, yeah, Rod Serling was A, smoked himself in you know into being mostly smoke. Uh, <laughs> and also, like, worked himself, probably burned himself out in more than one way, I guess would be a way to way to say it. <laughs> I, he did go on to do Night Gallery, which also rules. Uh, and then, so, eventually in, in 1985, I think is what I said, or 83, we have the Twilight Zone movie, and the third segment is by Joe Dante. It's a fun segment. Um, yeah, it's a remake of one of the usually highest rated twilight zone episodes it's the it's a good life episode yeah which is where the little kid has like super he kind of has like carry powers uh and so like everyone is just afraid of him like it's good that you did that anthony right it's it's awesome he's like eating ice cream and candy and whatever he wants yeah Um, um so like joe dante and that segment actually is pretty good because joe dante literally gives it the looney tunes treatment yes and does his his usual insanity and also it's one of the uh three of the four segments that didn't murder people which also <laughs> one of the better parts right. of that movie. <laughs> no people were killed to bring us that segment uh spielberg uh dante george miller they were able to do it look three out of four <laughs> john landis just missed the landing uh literally <sighs> Oh, uh, I know. Okay, so then he also does, 1985, they relaunch um, Twilight Zone. It only runs for a couple years, three seasons. Once again, they they do kind of change things out a little bit where it's sort of like each episode has vignettes in it. So you, there's a little more flexibility about how long each episode will be. So one of the episodes, the 10th episode, has a segment I think it's the first segment called The Shadow Man, and that is uh, directed by Joe Dante. And this is, unlike the movie, not a huge budget for this. This is not a Spielberg thing. Um, But it's this kid who's afraid of the dark, and he's always bullied. And um, finally his mom's like, you can't have – you have to have the lights off. So she turns off the lights, the TV, all that stuff. And a mysterious person comes from under the bed and says that he's a shadow man. And he'll never harm the person under the bed he lives. So oh. this kid tells his uh, tells people about it, uh, and you know he kind of gets teased for it. But then they start hearing stories of a series of attacks on children, and that the attacker was shadowy. And um, and Danny is kind of impresses kids because they he's not afraid of the shadow man, and so he essentially 
something happens to him and the bully, and eventually Danny said that um, he would fight him. They, they challenged him to a fight, and Danny says they should fight in an area where the Shadow Man has been most often sighted. So they show up, and the idea Danny has is like, oh, well, the Shadow Man will you know, scare him away. So the Shadow Man shows up, and he frightens the bully away. Except, guys, the Shadow Man then turns and chokes Danny. And Danny oh. questions why he's doing this, because he said, like, you know, you would never harm me, you said. And the Shadow Man says, that even though he may look similar, he's a Shadow Man from under someone else's bed. Uh, I don't know if I like that ending. That's kind of a technicality. Yeah, it, is. it really <laughs> is. It really is. So that's that's that. It's from 1980. Uh, 1985. So Joe Dante worked on those. Of course, the other movies we talked about, Joe Dante did. We talked about Gremlins and Gremlins 2 and The Howling, and I think Matinee would be the other big one to probably mention. Um, Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers, yeah, later in his career. Uh, Uh, Looney Tunes back in action. Yes. Which, to be fair, if you're going to try to revive Looney Tunes, Joe Dante is the best choice. Right. And that brings me back to his like his uh, his backstory so he um he had joe dante when he was seven and got polio and had to spend a year in the hospital and what did he do he drew cartoons hmm. um and uh, uh god a year a year in the <laughs> hospital and then he and i think he ended up going to like some art school and then kind of got told that like you shouldn't really go into cartooning probably because there's not much money in cartooning uh, so he ended up getting into film. He ended up working with George Roger Corman, so another Roger Corman guy. Obviously, yeah, he went to went to the Roger Corman Film School. Yep. Obviously, gets into the Spielberg circle, and Spielberg is the one. Uh, obviously, brought him in to do Twilight Zone, but also uh, Gremlins as well, which is his biggest hit. Spielberg wouldn't let him have a, a gritty ending to the Burbs because it would offend his fan base. <laughs> <laughs> actually, like actually, he got different beta energy infecting this one because Ron Howard was an executive producer. Mm, oh, for the that's Burbs. right. Like, Ron yeah, Howard was like, even less edgy than Spielberg. Significantly less edgy. Imagine Ron Howard's Schindler's List. Ron Howard directs Munich. <laughs> I don't want either of these. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Um, so... Obviously, this movie is trying to like talk about suburbs and suburbia. What I, I guess let's start with this. Do you have any weird neighbor stories either when you were a kid or as an adult now? Like, I mean, Duff, buddy. Oh, I just thought of one. I know Duff has ones, but I don't know where how far. Ironic, he to go. Ironically, it was not in the suburbs, and I, I. So I'm the only one who grew up in the suburbs, right? I mean, I certainly didn't. Right. Uh, I. Uh, my childhood was exclusively either in a rural area or the suburbs. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. I was. So I, I, I'm a suburb head. Yeah, sure. we. Uh, I lived in a suburb from age three on until I left for college. Uh, okay. So what's your story, Duff? Uh, ironically, in the suburbs, nothing. But about ten years ago, when my wife and I bought our first house. Uh, we moved in and the, there was a woman next door, uh, who lived alone. She was in her, she was about 60 and, uh, she, she looked like a witch. She, She, did she, she did the long hair rule? She did have long hair. Okay. She, she had long hair and wore a lot of makeup and she always wore, uh, camo pants and like a t-shirt 
and uh, she... So you didn't even know she had legs for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in in fairness, this woman was... Uh, she had some type of, uh, I would guess, bipolar, maybe mania, possibly schizophrenia. Okay. Um, but just made my made a living hell for my wife and I because for a long time it was just kind of like oh that's Pam she's just kind of nutty yeah like she would she would mix up she would tell weird things like she would make a claim that she dated Prince and that <laughs> and that Prince was mad when she joined the army which she, <laughs> which and and here's the weird like thing Prince was a Quaker or something <laughs> Well, he didn't want to wait for her, I think. Oh, I see. This yeah. was like pre-fame Prince. This was like seven mid-70s Minneapolis. And this is... So here's the thing. They're like, you know, like any good crazy person, there were lies mixed in with the truth because she was in the army. Um, she claimed that she had an autoimmune disease that only six other people in the world had. I didn't know that one. Oh, um, no. Even, even <laughs> though, only, like, wait, how many? Six? Six. Yeah, so you, she would that's be like, so exact. Well, because you would, can't count on one hand. She would say, she'd be like, "Have you, you know, about like the Bubble Boy? That's like what I have." And she tells me as she's outside shoveling snow. <laughs> okay. Um, but then as many, I'm leaving out so much. Yeah, stuff, you gotta. But, this is a big saga, but, so you need to. But as many a neighbor feud develops, this one developed over a fence, mm. and we. Uh, there's a, a chain link fence in our old house backyard that was clearly on our property line. And I can't really explain the logic of it because her brain was just totally scrambled for multiple reasons. And she, she, among other things, uh, got a lawyer to send us a letter saying that she had like eminent domain rights to the chain link fence uh, she was convinced that when we had uh, surveyors come out and do a property line measurement, which, by the way, we should not have had to do right. in Minneapolis. Everything's a rectangle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but we had someone out, and she they found little markers that are put in. Uh, she was convinced that they were wrong. The survey people were on drugs. She got she got out her metal detector and was out looking for the real markers in the ground. Uh, she would regularly come out onto her deck, and oh, she uh, she called the cops on the workers we had out for the fence. Um, she referred to them probably because they're black as hoodlums on a chain gang. I, I like how you gave her a little cred there, probably because they're black. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I I just wanted to give some context. Yeah, and then and then the part where it gets like legit kind of scary is she would like go out onto her deck and talk into her flip phone. And again, this is like four years ago, so like 2018 or so. And it was obvious that no one was on the other line because it would just be stream of consciousness ranting. And then she would just like, she'd be talking really loud just so we would hear. And it would be like weird stuff like, well, I'm going to sell my house to a developer and they're going to build a developers, big condo. Developers, see, developers, see developers. See how they like that. <laughs> and then like the one time where I was kind of like honestly scared was 
she was kind of she's kind of like not an, uh, not a hippie but like she's like an aging like rocker and so she'd like one time i heard her just outside like making up a song she's like it's my fence gonna do what i want you can't take my fence <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah uh um, so ultimately, uh, she became unsuitable to live on her own and her, I think it was her brother helped move her out and, um, oh, you'll be shocked to learn she was also a hoarder. Mm-hmm. But now you guys moved too. she moved all done. She moved to the funny farm and we moved to a new house. A funny farm. Christ. Uh, Joe, do you want to go next? Yeah. So, uh, the house I lived in in like middle school and high school, my par- well, my parents' house, obviously. Um, there was like, uh, we lived on a corner, so our backyard uh, like went up against um, another house. So like our kind of the whole line of our backyard was like the side of of the lot on this this uh, the house behind us. Sure. And then on the other side of that was like a municipal golf course. So this house was kind of like locked in between like our property and then nothing on the other side of it um which is kind of like probably a cool place to live actually yeah. thinking about it in hindsight um and i would um sometimes like kind of like camp in a tent in our backyard or i'd just like be up late and stuff and like my parents noticed this as well like every like three hours at night she would wake up and turn her back light on okay <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's kind of like weird. And then like, and it wasn't she turned, t- she turned off again? And then- like it would be on for like five, ten minutes, and then it would get turned off again. So it wasn't a motion light. Like she would go out. And yeah, like for yeah. the first few times, we were like, weren't really sure what she was doing. And we eventually realized like she was going out like every few hours to feed the raccoons. Oh no! <laughs> what? And, yeah. So she would um, just come outside and just like throw. I don't know if she's throwing like corn or. I have no idea what she's feeding them. And they would all like gather outside her back back door and like start making those screechy like raccoon oh, noises. Awful and animals. She'd come outside and feed them. And it wasn't like super loud or disruptive or anything. Like if you live in a, you know, you're going to hear raccoons, right? Yeah. Raccoons are the mammalian geese of the world. <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't really bug oh, me man. too much, but um, oh, they, yeah, they're, they're one of those animals that like, from afar you're like oh that's kind of cute and then you get up front and then you get up close and like, oh, this, this this is the devil's animal yeah yeah <laughs> so um so fascinating she it was an old woman lived there alone and like eventually she she passed away and and i don't know who if she had other relatives or something but they like cleaned out her house and they found a bunch of like polaroid pictures oh no and oh, like no. you know like the old like you know polaroids where you can see like it was kind of dark but someone used flash yeah yeah you know so it has that weird kind of glare to it i don't really know how to describe it i know but i noticed yeah, this because yeah. i was it's, looking it's through just like it like kind of like a lens flare was just like a big blob of flash um and then other some of these pictures were just a bunch of raccoons like looking <laughs> up at her in her kitchen Oh my so, god! So uh, apparently, it's sometimes she would let them into her house to feed them. Wow! This this is the this is the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew you'd like this stuff. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, but also, like, there's some some sweetness there, I guess. Yeah, like, I like know, it's, she just liked it's animals, but it's just creepy, a strange animal to befriend. It's creepy, but you don't know why. 
Uh, mine's not nearly the same. I because I didn't grow up in a suburb, obviously, but we lived in a rural area, and um, across the street was a bunch of land that was not developed. And eventually, when I was in like late middle school, well, maybe high school, this guy who had money came and moved and bought that area and start, like built this big old house, a bunch of sheds, and he was like working on building its own, like you know, building a pond. Like a man-made pond that'd be in front of the house and this whole thing. And this man was very nice to me. It was very nice to my dad. However, known uh, in the neighborhood wouldn't be the right in the township, if you will. He is simply uh-huh. nicknamed as Crazy Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every um, like in in my hometown we had John the Bum. John the Bum. Yeah, he was a bum. Yeah, you 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 always get like real simple nicknames of like yeah, uh, John the Bum, who later um stole all of my friend's little sister's bikes <laughs> i actually have more stories about neighborhood people than i thought yeah that that is also like a weird Shut creepy story bum. so crazy mike we, crazy mike here's why he talked we, we had we had old man anderson oh, is he old in my block was he like I the mean, guy from home alone <laughs> he so he was a retired auctioneer okay and he and he him and his wife uh, they kept weird hours, but it wasn't so much creepy as it's just like, oh, they must be hungry at three in the morning. Uh, <laughs> can I tell a quick John the Bum story? Yeah, tell a John so the good. Bum story. So, so John the Bum was just a guy who would ride around in a black trench coat all the time, and uh-huh. he'd always be on a child's bicycle. So it's like kind of clear, like, well, this dude either bought this bike from a thrift store or he like stole it. And we would just in high school, we'd be driving around, we'd see him all the time, just like tooling around. Our suburb, and then <laughs> my fr- my my good friend Kenny, absolute prince of a man. Uh, he went to uh, school at the University of New Mexico, and he would come home for winter break every year, which is always super exciting. He was a year older than me, so it's like, oh sweet, we get to see Kenny. And like we had been like kind of like chuckling, like in hindsight is like kind of mean, but you know you're high in high school, right. it's kind of stupid. But like John the Bum, it was not so much that we were mean, but it's just like he was like a character of that town. Like everyone knew who John the Bum was. Yeah, right? yeah. And so he comes home um, from the airport. He uh, he walks into his parents' door, and, and Kenny's dad was quite eccentric as well. And he walks into the door and. Uh, John the bum is just sitting at their kitchen table and his dad goes, Kenny, have you met John? Have you met John? And Kenny just goes, no. And then his dad just goes, he's been sleeping in your bed. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <Yes>. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, oh. And then like Kenny soon found a little bit later because, you know, he's like living in Albuquerque, which it does get kind of cold there because it's an elevation. But he's like, where's my jacket? And the, and his dad's like, we gave it to John. He was cold. <laughs> so the, he's, he'd been sleeping in his bed for months. And uh, for and months. his dad gave him his winter jacket. Oh, my God. But eventually there's a falling out with John because John stole like uh John stole his sister's bike. <laughs> I was hoping that's bike. what happened. <laughs> John really yeah. had a thing for bikes. Yeah. For ladies' bikes. Oh, God. It's so... Have you met John? Wow. Oh, so good. It'd be I... like if you walked in and Crazy Mike was just sitting there and your dad was like, hey, he's, sta- he's sleeping I mean, that's something bed. my dad would do. But I was going to yeah. say... Yeah. So Crazy Mike um, wasn't crazy. He just was... He talked really fast. And uh, at the local uh, cafe 
Joe Mama's, which I worked at as a dishwasher, mm. um, he would come up. And God, you must have been so bad at that job. Oh, I'm a great dishwasher. Well, I believe that you're a good dishwasher now. No, even then. But hi- yeah, so you really got after it, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, good for you. Um, and uh, I, I like I like washing dishes even because I don't have to think about anything. I, it's like a it's like an input output thing. Mm. I have. You can this. finally give your brilliant mind a rest. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> But like it's a very comp- like a very accomplishable it's task. Like, no, like I, I I get it. Like I don't I don't mind that chore that much. But th- th- there I have chores like that that make me right that, that I've so are peaceful for me. This guy would sit at the bar, uh, the, the diner, and would just inhale his food. Like I mean it it would be like people would either not sit next to him, or if people did, you could see they would kind of like set up the menus and everything to kind of like create a wall. So that pieces of the food this guy was eating wouldn't like spread on them. So because those reasons, like oh, crazy Mike just shows up and eats all the food really fast. <laughs> so that's crazy Mike. Cool. Uh, not nearly as good as <laughs> we met John. So I have one very quick one that I just remember okay. because I was talking about uh, the old old man Anderson, Bill Anderson, Bill and Alice. Uh, Bill uh, died before Alice and Alice stayed in the house this was the house next door Alice lived on her own probably longer than she should have and uh, I don't think the entire time I lived in my house that I ever saw Alice wearing anything except an old lady nightgown Um, and so one day uh, my parents like there was kind of like there were a lot of cars out there might have been an ambulance I don't remember and so I was like, oh, is Alice okay? And mom's like, uh, Alice's bladder fell out. <laughs> what? It fell out? Uh, How did it happen? I, I don't know any. Here's here's what I remember. I was probably like 10 or so. And it was just like, well, Alice has some health issues. And I guess that her bladder ended up <laughs> just coming out. <laughs> <It's> like, mm. <laughs> and, and I do remember that my mom said fell. So I'm like, I... You know, in my mind, like it was just like she was like walking in the kitchen and just like oh, splat. <laughs> wow, Blad- bladders out. Um, well, switching gears a little bit, guys, to kind of mm-hmm. put a, a bow on this entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose this, I, as I said, mostly to talk about five di- different movies from five different decades. Twilight Zone kind of ties it together, but also to um, I just think it's interesting how many really interesting filmmakers came into or out of twilight zone and we have this time right now where television is big and we have people working in television i hate it and you have all these shows that are big <laughs> I, i'm with you but it I, I was it's some uh joe dante quotes i read from interview and it was talking about the movies he makes now and i had a couple quotes that i think are interesting in a in kind of where cinema is now where film is at now and where tv exists now but i feel like not as another I feel like it, it, it's like another place for people to create and make content, but I think these problems still exist. So here are the two quotes. Joe Dante said, the kind of movies that I used to make, sort of mid-level mainstream movies, don't get made anymore for theaters. And so I think that's why you see so many directors migrating to television, which I think is fair, right? Like, that's true. Those mid-level mainstream movies, yeah. mm-hmm. there's not a market for it, so you end up just working in TV. Uh, but then he mentioned, he goes, I probably wouldn't be a very good fit for superhero movies because they're so similar. It's very difficult to inject your personality into that kind of a blockbuster. 
The movies I have done before, for good or ill, at least looked like my movies. The ideas of just making movies to make movies, that was the original idea. I just wanted to make movies. But when I started making them, I realized that there is an element of personal expression that makes it rewarding. And if you don't get to do that, it's kind of tedious. Uh, Which I think that's another good quote about, like, you know, when you don't have room for mid-level mainstream movies anymore, you don't get to have a movie like The Burbs, which, listen, none of us is saying The Burbs is amazing, but it's interesting, and at least it's different. It it doesn't pander. It doesn't, you know, it's not, and it's not like, you know, we said earlier, like, this is a family movie. Right. Like, I don't, there's no real, you know, there's maybe one or two sex jokes, but there's no excessive violence. There's no sex. It's not body. Yeah. Like, I do think that, you know, there used to be this market for family comedies. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, uh, mid-tier movies. And and it's just sad that now everything, you know, I think nowadays, like, movies that are supposedly, like, family movies, like, it's a lot of just, like, wink-wink, ironic, like, you know, so it's like, oh, here's a sex jokes for the adults, and here's, like, a you know, a fart joke for the kids or something. And, you know, these movies, like, they weren't, they weren't dumbed down. Like, they, they were just kind of broad appeal. I, I, I kind of miss that. Well, I mean, I sincerely do hope that we can look back in 15 years and talk about how there's this TV series that spawned all these directors that end up making interesting things. Not even necessarily movies, even other interesting TV shows or something. It just doesn't feel like it's happening yet. And I feel like it should by now for how long we've been in this quote-unquote golden age of television um so that's why i found everyone i mean now uh every you know now there's like the they're kind of scaling back on content hbo is just being gutted for profit right uh i mean it's just you know it's just now it's just for so long there's just obscene amounts of money being thrown to make anything that was part of a an ip just so much money and, and like i should point out twilight zone isn't like special in this like you could look at alfred hitchcock presents there's other shows you could look at and have interesting directors that came out of them uh between like the 60s and 70s um yeah uh duff you don't if you don't know it yet it's fine but um do you no i i i thought of this a while ago and i i just i sat on it but yeah i i know okay uh, so what is our next season uh give it to me daddy mm-hmm. You guys, let's uh, let's watch a little TV. Let's let's watch some movies made for TV. Oh, uh oh. What? We just we just spent like five minutes bitching about TV. No, but let's. The, uh, I'm not talking about shows. I'm talking about like like movie of the week. Oh. Like uh, uh, or like you know like I'm yeah. talking about like the age of the the made for TV movie event. Can we do the one where that what's her name does, smokes angel dust and jumps out a window? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I think we're gonna have a hard time whittling it down because you know I thought we could do dual yep. maybe uh, the day after I, Are you gonna do uh, that the day after this um we could do you know and then I feel like as you get into the eighties you have to I feel like we need to do one about like a kidnap kid oh yeah because that was yeah that, oh, yeah uh, like I know my first name is Steven was a big one that I remember watching uh in as. Uh, in health class in I think 1998 my, our teacher showed us the Fred Savage Candace Cameron movie no one would tell mm. in which Fred Savage <laughs> is an abusive boyfriend 
Okay. So uh, maybe that wow. one. I don't know. That nerd I, was abusing someone. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, abusers I, can come in many different forms. Are, abusers can be dark. Did, did it? Did it have the same like voiceover guy from the Wonder Years? Like Dan, talk, Daniel Stern about comes how he on. was. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew at that moment that if I couldn't have her, no one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I can't wait, Duff. I can't wait. Yeah. So we we will whittle it down. Um, I, I'm not sure if we'll have started recording this by the time this airs, but yeah, tell us if you. Well, we'll maybe we'll send this to the the pit. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of, you want you, you want do, input? Do not yeah. reply to uh, tweets if Twitter still exists. We won't. Or <laughs> Instagram posts their suggestions. If. if you want to suggest stuff, you better pay. We yes, will read Patreon, Patreon posts only. Patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. For $2. For as young as We $2. might have to go deep into the dark web to find the good stuff uh, for this for one. For $2. Yeah, that was another thing. This will be dependent on torrent availability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. That's going to be great, Duff. Uh, great idea, Duff. Uh, this was my first time hearing this. Me too. Uh, this is in like the Donald Trump voice outside Air Force One. Uh, this is my first time hearing this. Um, Duff had a great season idea can't great wait. great podcaster great life <laughs> can't wait well great life. uh joe and duff thank you high high quality person thank you for <laughs> uh going on into another dimension with me in the twilight zone and also listeners for going along with the ride hopefully at the very least you learned about some interesting twilight zone episodes uh and some movies that maybe you may you know i feel like we started and ended the season on movies that people probably have seen or at least know between cool hand luke and the burbs but had three you know, in between that are a little different and interesting. So, yeah, it's always nice when people, you know, I know some people watch Blue Collar after we heard, they heard an episode on us. It's nice when you, you know, yeah. you expose people to something different. True. All right. Well, guys, like I said, patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. And if you want more episodes, just go to freepodcast.com. And we have all our seasons. I think this was our 15th season. 15th. Yeah, 15th season. So. We're going to overtake It's It's Always Sunny. Yeah, watch, yep. watch out, and Simpsons. Then, and then we've got... Simpsons in our target, <laughs> yep. for sure. Oh, man. Oh.